and treat it different now. I think it has to look, be viewed like that. You know, like it's okay to treat it different because it is different. It's like, I think we talked about this the other day. It's like two hand touch versus pro football. You guys can go play two-hand touch at Thanksgiving and have a lot of fun, but the second that you're trying to make it to the pros, it might not be fun anymore. (laughs) This is episode number 60 of Pursuing Health with Chris Spieler. Welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Julie Fouché, family medicine resident and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, I bring to you information and inspiration from experts and everyday individuals for how to use lifestyle to maximize health. Thank you so much for joining me. Now let's get started with this week's episode. Hey there, welcome back to Pursuing Health. The CrossFit Games are now just around the corner and to celebrate, I'll be doubling up on podcast episodes until that time. This week, we have two CrossFit legends in episode 59 and 60 with Annie Sakamoto and Chris Spieler. In this episode, I sit down with Chris at Power Monkey Camp in Tennessee a few weeks ago. We had a great conversation about his evolution as an athlete, a trainer, and an affiliate owner over the past 10 plus years in CrossFit. A little bit of background about Chris before we get started. He found CrossFit after his Division I college wrestling career and was quickly attracted to the competitive side of CrossFit. He's competed in the CrossFit Games seven times since 2007 and has had three top 10 finishes to his name in 2007, 8, and 10. He was also awarded the Spirit of the Games in 2010. After his performance in 2014, Chris made the decision to retire from competition and instead train for life, but with the introduction of the Masters 35-39 to 39 age group category this season, he's recently made the announcement that he'll find himself once again on the competition floor in Madison. He's also an owner and coach at his affiliate, CrossFit Park City, and he's a longtime member of the CrossFit seminar staff, having taught at over 300 seminars around the world. Today, he runs a successful and wide-reaching online program called Icon Athlete, also through Beyond the Whiteboard. Chris is also a husband and a father of two, and he enjoys spending time outside with his family whenever he can. A few quick reminders before we get started with the episode. First, if you're enjoying the podcast, please head over to iTunes to subscribe and consider giving it a rating. I'm also always looking for inspiring stories to share. So if you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge, please send your story to me at info at juliefouché.com and I'll select some to share here on future episodes. To check out my online training program through Beyond the Whiteboard, visit beyondthewhiteboard.com forward slash juliefouché. Finally, please remember that although I'm now officially a doctor, this podcast is meant to share the experiences of individuals and does not provide medical advice. So with that, let's get started here with episode number 60 of Pursuing Health featuring Chris Spieler. Okay, well, welcome to Pursuing Health. I am here with Chris Spieler, and we are enjoying Power Monkey Camp. Thank you for taking some time to talk to me on the podcast. Yeah, my pleasure. Awesome. Well, let's start with some background. So people obviously know a lot about your history but and I know you were a wrestler before CrossFit but can you talk a little bit about your athletic background there why you think it prepared you well and how you eventually ended up finding CrossFit sure um so I started wrestling when I was 
about six, uh, and I just stumbled into it at elementary school. You know, the mm-hmm. teacher handed out a flyer, and I thought it was like WWF. So I thought, well, duh, <laughs> why wouldn't I do that? That looks awesome. Right. I, I'm envisioning Hulk Hogan and Superfly Jimmy Snuka. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was totally different. And it, I really took to it largely because it felt super fair to me because mm-hmm. I was so small as a kid. A lot of the other sports that I was doing, like uh, soccer, um, that was kind of the only other one at the time. Mm-hmm. But even like as I was in elementary school, middle school, track and lacrosse and mm-hmm. all these other things that I played, they just, for me, they just didn't feel fair because everyone was so much bigger than me. Where with wrestling, I was able to go against someone that was actually mm-hmm. my weight, my size, and I was like, man, this is really cool. That's so, nice, yeah. yeah, it really took took to that. And then... I did that all growing up. I played a bunch of other sports, though, all through elementary school, middle school, high school. And then in high school, my dad, uh, I remember him walking into the TV room and he said, like, hey, you know, whatever's fine doesn't matter. But he said, if you want to, you can either try to be good at everything that you're doing mm-hmm. or you can try to be the best at one thing. And I thought, man, that sounds really cool, like trying mm. to be the best at one thing. Yeah. So I, uh, that's when I really kind of went into wrestling year round uh with no other focus on anything else but that wasn't until i think gosh like 11th grade 10th or 11th grade okay so you were well into high school at that point yeah and was wrestling in college something that was on your mind or yeah at that point um i started the wheels started kind of spinning and i think i knew that was always my true passion i really enjoyed lacrosse a really fun sport uh and i was kind of on the fence as to which one I wanted to pursue, Mm -hmm. but I had been wrestling for so much longer that it just felt like the right thing to do. And if my goal is to be the best, I already had so many years under my belt Mm -hmm. where lacrosse, I kind of dabbled in it when I was younger and then played it in high school. Okay. Yeah. And then you went on to wrestle in college, correct? Yeah. So I wrestled a little school called Lock Haven. It actually worked out really well because I'm not like a, not a big city kid, and I don't mm-hmm. like, you know, the huge university feel. So Lock Haven is a really small school in central Pennsylvania. There were maybe 5,000 kids there. Okay. So tiny. Um, yeah. But the wrestling was D1, so I still got to go and wrestle Division One, which I wanted awesome. to do. yeah. Um, but I got that kind of small town or small mm-hmm. school vibe and was able just to be in small classes. And honestly, I mean, I just focused on wrestling school was kind of what did you end up studying uh not pre-med it was (laughs) commercial recreation I remember when I was sitting at the kitchen table looking at the application and uh, we had to either you know choose just gen eds or Mm -hmm. pick a major and I remember seeing commercial recreation and I asked my mom I was like mom what's commercial recreation what is that (laughs) and she said uh you know, oh, well, that's like if you wanted to work at a ski resort or own a ski resort. Uh-huh. I thought, well, that sounds awesome. That's so perfect, yeah. Yeah. So I uh, <laughs> I checked the box and went to school to wrestle. That's cool. Yeah. And then what happened? How did your wrestling career kind of come to a close and what happened after that? Yeah, so I wrestled uh, going into, it's pretty common. I'm not sure what it's like in other sports, but it's pretty common in wrestling for most guys to redshirt their freshman, freshman okay. year. Uh, almost all of them do unless they're pretty like phenom kids Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and largely because it gives them a chance to grow because other guys can come in from junior colleges Mm -hmm. uh, or they might just have that additional year under their belt. So it gives them a chance to kind of mature. And then the leap from high school to college is pretty big. There's not like kids get beat up, you know, really good kids from 
high school programs that might even be state champs and whatnot can get smeared by just a second or third string guy. Uh-huh. So there is some growing there. And that happened the first year, that redshirt year. And then I wrestled the next four years and really had, man, it was a battle because in wrestling, there's only 10 spots, okay. but the team's still like 40 or 50 guys. Wow. So if you want to wrestle varsity, you basically have to earn your spot largely through wrestle-offs where you can challenge somebody for their spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do that in the, kind of in the beginning of the year, the middle, and then you could challenge during the year. And it took me, I'm trying to think, I, we had a really strong class. And my freshman year, I won the wrestle-off, but I didn't perform well on the mat, so they pulled me off, like, after two matches. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up having, like, a really tough year because I had earned the spot, but the coach didn't put me on the mat. But I still had to make weight and travel mm-hmm. with the team every mm-hmm. weekend. And that was a really tough year. And that kind of evolved to me just kind of fighting to get into the starting lineup. And I dabbled on and off in that through a variety of weight classes but then my senior year is when I kind of had the spot varsity all year okay and that uh yeah so that was kind of a five-year process and then when I was done I had a couple opportunities um to even go to the Olympic training center but Mm -hmm. at the time my heart just wasn't in it anymore and uh I just knew that it was time to kind of say goodbye yeah Mm -hmm. yeah okay and what did you do at that point were you was this pre-crossfit or yeah. at what point did you end up yeah so i finished wrestling um and i knew i wanted to move back to the mountains okay so i finished wrestling and probably gosh five days after ncaa tournament mm-hmm. i packed up my jeep and my dad and i drove to utah and uh, i did my internship at a place called Wasatch Adventure Consultants. And it was like, I thought it was going to be this big outdoorsy thing, mm-hmm. you know, where we took these corporate groups on these adventure things, but it was a lot of time behind a desk. Uh, and I hated it. Uh-huh. Um, and I basically spent the next four or five years being a ski bum. Okay. Like full on, Were you get paid nine like, bucks an hour. Okay. Were you like <laughs> teaching skiing or working in the resort? Yeah. So I would, uh, in the winters, I would work in a ski shop and I mm-hmm. either would like run the repair shop and wax skis and fix them. Mm-hmm. Or I would work on the sales floor and sell them. And in the summer, um, I would, there were a couple summers where I taught, uh, some mountain biking stuff mm-hmm. with some kids, but largely in the summer, I just wrenched on bikes. That's it was awesome. in the same shop and I would just kind of make the transition from yeah. ski to bike to ski to bike and all the while just lifting at the gym and yeah. riding my bike. and So yeah. fitness was still important to you at that point. You were still working out. Yeah. Like you had completely given up on it after saying goodbye to wrestling. Yeah, it was actually a really hard time in life because wrestling um, was this outlet, mm-hmm. you know, and like I'm sure like – you experienced the past with some of your background. It's like once you, you do that for so long and then you stop, it's like it's over. Yeah, you don't know what to do. Yeah. yeah. So I was really struggling for about three years there and for a while there. I mean, I would just work out like crazy just because mm-hmm. I didn't know what else to do. I'd go mm-hmm. to the gym and I'd lift and I'd go run. And so like, you know, and then I'm riding my bike and skiing. So yeah. it sounds like there's a glamorous life, which <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a bad thing. But it was really hard because I didn't know – I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life Mm -hmm. and I didn't really have much direction with working out. I just knew I liked to work out a lot Mm -hmm. and I didn't like personal training. I tried that. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so it was always this really important piece, but there was that five year window there where it was really tough. Mm -hmm. And then I stumbled into CrossFit. And what was that like? How did you first come um, across it? Man, so uh, a friend of mine, <clears throat> he was in, uh, he was actually a Young Life kid, and I used to uh, volunteer for Young Life in mm -hmm. Park City, and he uh, had gone in the Marines, and he told me, I stumbled into him on a Young Life trip while he was in the Marines, and he stopped by and said, hey, and this is in 2006, and he said, hey, we, you know, we do this stuff called CrossFit. You got to check it out. Mm -hmm. Just like everybody else. I was like, yeah, right. yeah, whatever, you know. Sure. And I found it, like did a little Google and found it online. And I remember the first workout was Cindy. And I thought, okay, I'll give it a try. At the time, I was working out with Eric O'Connor. Okay. So he's uh, a guy that works at the gym with me now and stuff and is on level one staff and a bunch of stuff. But at the time, we were doing a bunch of West Side barbell things okay. and just like lifting weights in the morning together. And he thought I was nuts. <laughs> he was like, whatever, man. Like, I don't, I'm not going to do that. And I told him, I was like, I'm going to just try it for eight weeks. And yeah, so I tried it. And it was the first time that I think I felt like I was doing sport again, mm -hmm. okay. which is what it really drawed me to it. Okay. It, it wasn't like I was just working out aimlessly. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why. Like, I don't know if it was the the comment like the section back then. Yeah, yeah. maybe. And I think it was just the structure, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's always something different mm -hmm. and I wasn't just sitting on a machine anymore. So it, that is really what drew me in and lured me in was this feeling like it was more sport than it was just working out. Mm -hmm. And yeah. how did you then drag Eric into it? it about a week later, <laughs> okay. I think he was kind of <laughs> curious what was going yeah. on. And, uh, and then he just started working out with me and that snowballed into us doing workouts together mm -hmm. at the Globo gym or just whatever you know, going to the park and doing stuff but there were maybe a hundred affiliates in the world then wow. it was so small and can you just talk about what those early days were like when you would be posting your scores online or doing the workouts yeah. trying to learn the movements from videos yeah i don't know i mean it's it's funny like people have so many resources at their fingertips now mm -hmm. and uh we just didn't. There was <laughs> this CrossFit.com, yeah. and we would look at, you know, videos of Annie or this guy, Brendan Gilliam, that probably most people have no idea who he is now, <laughs> but at the time, he was like, you know, this CrossFit stud, and mm -hmm. um, we would just watch videos, and half the time, I didn't even know where to find the videos. I, so I, th I remember the first time I did a wall ball shot, I was like, what the heck is a wall ball <laughs> shot? So I picked up, like, one of those D-balls <laughs> at the gym, <laughs> And there was a dividing wall between, like, the weightlifting side and uh -huh. the machine side, you know, free weights and machines. Yeah. And I would just throw the wall, the ball at the oh. wall. <laughs> you didn't know there was a 10-foot no. target or anything. So I just, like, throw it straight at the wall, let it drop and pick it up and throw it straight at the wall. <laughs> it's oh, much, easier, awesome. much easier. Much <laughs> um, easier. So, yeah, it, it was just so young and so new and... Um, it was so small, like this super community oriented vibe that mm -hmm. is still there. But when you get like, you could just sign up for the CrossFit games. Like you remember mm -hmm. that stuff, you know, it's like you just sign up and you show up and it's like a barbecue and you're in a dirt pit and <laughs> no one had massage tables and their <laughs> programmer and their coach. And it was just yeah. like, literally you just show up at a ranch and work out. So it was 
vastly different. Vastly different. Yeah. And so obviously you went then in to the games that year when it was yeah. at a ranch and it was a barbecue and you could just show up. At what point did you start trying to take it as a serious competition or this was going to be your new sport? Yeah. And I think you and I are probably fortunate enough that like we saw, I feel like we sort of evolved with it. There almost wasn't there almost wasn't a choice. If we decided we were going to do it, we had to. Right. You just had to do more. Right to get back there, you had to evolve. Yeah. So that's I think like for me, my experience was 2007 and 2008. It was like I just work out mm-hmm. an hour a day and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then 2009 and 2010, it got a little bit more serious because now there were like the competition was bigger. You had to do more workouts. So now programming started mm-hmm. to come into play because it's trying to get stronger mm-hmm. you had to kind of think about how much you needed to do so you prepared for the competition mm-hmm. so First that would qualifier leading yeah. Into it. yeah so that kind of like bubbled up a little bit and got bigger and then 2011 2012 after 2010 i think there's a real defining i agree that was such yeah. a big jump from 10 to 11 i think yeah like crossfit has now arrived as a sport yeah and then i would even say the same thing happened from like 11 to 13, mm-hmm. you know, it was like from 11 and 12, you can still see now it's like a sport mm-hmm. for sure. And then 13 and 14 in my experience was like, now this is a full-time job. Mm-hmm. If I want to go back and I want to try to win or in, in a lot of cases, if I just want to make it back, like yeah. this is a full-time gig. Mm-hmm. And a lot of sacrifice has to be made now. So it just kind of evolved. And Mm -hmm. I think because I knew I still had potential, Mm -hmm. um, I just kept showing up. Mm -hmm. And until I realized it was healthier for me to not be there (laughs) is when I decided to not treat it like a sport. And I want to talk about that um, in a little bit. But do you have any favorite competition memories from all of your oh years at the game. Gosh, games. yeah. That's just, there's just too many. Yeah. Right? It's almost like every year. <laughs> there's so. one for at least one for every year. Yeah. I sure. mean Amanda, right, was mm-hmm. one of the coolest when the jets flew that over. Was so cool. It's like, oh my gosh. That was and my first ever games event. It was yeah. the coolest. And, and like barely anybody in the stands, but oh, it yeah. still felt so cool. Yeah. So that was probably in two thousand ten, two thousand eleven, um, Pushing the dog sled was mm-hmm. super cool. Like everybody freaking out. Uh, 2012 is when I like eked out Graham on the triple threes mm. and like dived across the track. <laughs> um, and then uh, 13, I didn't make it. In 2014, like even though I don't know what I was thinking, I had the completely wrong approach. But finishing the clean, the first round of the clean mm. ladder in the stadium, it's just yeah, like, that was real. That I mean, that talk about a yeah. change too in the environment in that stadium oh. from 2010 to now. Yeah, I mean, what an amazing environment! Crazy. Yeah, I mean, stands were more stands were built to hold the mm-hmm. people, and now, you know, the jumbotrons up, and yeah. you're on ESPN, and it's just like. Night and so day. So cool. Yeah. So cool. So obviously you evolved a lot as a competitor. And then 2013, you missed, yep. correct? You missed the games. So what was that? And then you had this decision, like, am I going to keep going? I know there was yeah. talk of retirement and then Steelers yeah. coming out of retirement. <laughs> yeah. What's going on? Can you just talk a little bit about that decision process for you? Yeah. So I think I realized in those, because in 2012, I really did 
I remember going on the update show with Pat and, and I was like, yeah, I'm done. Mm-hmm. And I really did think I was done. I meant it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I learned from 2012 and 13 that like if I didn't actually make the decision, I could say it, you mm-hmm. know, and say like, no, I think I'm going to be done. But if I didn't decide and have people to hold me accountable to that decision, right. I wasn't going to be done. Mm-hmm. It's just not in my personality, right. you know, so. Um, well, it's so hard too. It's not like a sport like basketball or something like it's it's what you do to stay healthy it's what you're gonna do every single day so you can't just it's not like wrestling you can't just stop doing it you know and then you go in the gym to work out to be healthy and you're like well maybe i should do another workout (laughs) (laughs) so true yeah so that process was really that kind of happened between 2012 and 13 Uh and then i decided to try it again in 13 and then obviously when i didn't make it um i was like that i don't I can't finish Don't like that. Don't want to end it that way. Yeah. Um, so then I decided again. That's when I decided again to go back. But I did have that conversation. That's when I re- realized, like, okay, if I, I'm going to say I'm going to be done, I need mm-hmm. to free this out. And that fall, I think I talked with both Ben, who was coaching me at the time, and my wife, Sarah. Mm-hmm. And we all kind of talked together <clears throat> and said, like, okay, here's here's where I am, like, physically – Here's the dynamic it's creating for our family. Mm-hmm. And is it worth what it takes to try to get back another year? Because mm-hmm. I wasn't going to win the games. You know, I'm just like, it's just not. I know sometimes people are like, oh, like if you just believe in anything, it's like. You can make it happen. Yeah, it's, yeah. I'm also not going to play in the NBA <laughs> right. as much as I believe <laughs> in that, you know. Right. So um, I decided then that that's when we had that conversation to say like, hey, um, this is it. Like mm-hmm. we're, we're done. Mm-hmm. And that was really helpful to have that conversation. Cause it helped me set some different mm-hmm. goals up that year. So you said, okay, this is my last season, regardless of the outcome. Yeah. And what were some of those goals that you had set? Um, performance wise, one was obviously to go back to the games mm-hmm. and that was really hard. Like that was really hard because at the time I wasn't really worried about the open, mm-hmm. you know, I was pretty confident in going to regionals, but I remember leaving my gym to go to regionals and thinking like this could be it Mm -hmm. you know you just use no guarantee and uh so that was really hard I remember getting ready and like being super emotional and Sarah was asking me are you okay and I'm just saying like look I'm confident and I believe in myself but like this could be it Mm -hmm. babe you know so yeah. yeah and thankfully I qualified and then uh those goals at the games were much different I just I think um the three, I set kind of three. One of them is I just wanted to compete with heart because I just, that is kind of like my equivalent of no regrets, right? Mm-hmm. Compete with heart. Um, Which I think is what people really know you for. Yeah. You know, because you can see that every time you're out on the floor. No, that's, I appreciate that. Thanks. Um, and then two was I wanted to, like kind of the tangible thing was I wanted to be there for every event. Like mm-hmm. I didn't want to miss that final cut. Mm-hmm. And at first I wanted to get in the top 15. But during the games and during some of the outcomes, I realized that wasn't going to happen. So I reestablished that to like, all right, let's make it to the last day. Mm-hmm. And then um, the last one was, and I'd never made this one, was I just wanted to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Because as you know, when you're there to win, yeah. like there's not, no, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's soak it all up <laughs> right. and look at the crowd. It's right. like, all right, I got to show up and compete. And then I'm in the back recovering yeah. and there's no time. So it was really cool to take that year to like actually 
look up and like soak it in and think like, okay, this is my last time. I'm not here to win, but I am here to perform and do these other things. So it was a really, it allowed me to have probably one of the more positive experiences Mm -hmm. at the games. That's such a cool perspective. And I, I feel the same way. Like after my injury finishing out that weekend, it was the first time when I really could enjoy being out there because you're not worried about the outcome or your performance and you can just be like, wow, you know, I'm here, I'm doing the workouts with these amazing athletes and really cool because it's hard to have that experience when you're really trying to take the competition as seriously as you can. I don't think you can. No. And I think that's okay. Yeah. But I also, like, I think like you, I'm really grateful for the chance to Mm -hmm. have had that perspective. Mm -hmm. I think I would rather finish it like that. Yeah then like have been there and placed in the top 15 or the top 10 mm-hmm. and been like, I don't even remember it. Right. And yeah. not enjoyed it. Yeah. That's so true. So true. Um, so then you had your final season, you had a great experience, ended it on your terms, like you said. And so how then has your life and your training changed since then? So I still went through that like year of, yeah. Up and down. Yeah. And down. Oh my yeah. gosh. You know, like this is what I do to be fit and healthy. So <laughs> I should work out three times a day. Yeah. Um, but then I did, I remember I committed to doing <clears throat> the ECC with Rich and Elizabeth and Stacy. Right. Like okay. I had committed to them the year before. So I knew I had to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went there and I was messed up. I remember my body was mm-hmm. so messed up. And in that moment, I I said, like, this has got to be the last Mm -hmm. competition I ever do because I'm just so messed up. And then after that, I kind of went through this, again, season of uh, honestly, like, trying to let my body heal, Mm -hmm. which is really hard because I couldn't do a lot of things that I wanted to do. And I felt like I was going to lose my fitness and blah, blah, blah. But um, eventually (laughs) that turned into (laughs) me figuring out that I do CrossFit just because I love it. And I do it for the health and longevity, mm-hmm. but that looks very, very different. I really do, and I'm like I'm passionate about telling people about it because CrossFit as a sport has a lifespan. Mm-hmm. It does not promote longevity. I just don't think it does. I, I agree. Don't I don't think that it's. I think that it is a very different thing from CrossFit as CrossFit. Yeah, yeah. and people can't do that forever. Mm-hmm. They're gonna be messed up. You know, like. Mm-hmm. And I think the sport's young enough It's to say that we don't know. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, we don't know. And I can still do a lot of things that I want to do, but I also, it wasn't just CrossFit. You know, I started wrestling when I was right. six. But, like, you know, because of the choices I made to compete the way that I have from the time that I was six until I was 36, mm-hmm. like, I know. I know. <laughs> I, <laughs> I walk around and know. Yeah. Um, so I really enjoy now just literally an hour a day work out with my class or do an icon workout or whatever that is like I try because those are kind of separate communities but mm-hmm. one ones that are I'm with so I really try to be a part of them mm-hmm. and uh and that is just like I it's like I don't I don't know it's so relieving now if a workout comes up with like mm-hmm. running I'll be, I can't really run that well yeah. anymore. If it hurts my knee, so I'll just jump on an assault bike. And people are like, did you do it as prescribed? I'm like, I don't know, did I? I don't, I yeah. don't know. I just worked <laughs> out. It's fine. <laughs> it's okay. I totally yeah. can feel you on that because same sort of thing with me where I'm like, if I got to the gym and I did my hour, 
it's a great day. And if yeah. I modify something or if I change something, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely a completely different approach to when you're training for competition and something that's so much more sustainable. Yeah. For the rest of your life. Did you go through that stuff mentally though? Like, I mean, on your side, was that transition? Cause I know you had so much yeah. more in school and stuff, but for you, was that transition really smooth or was it kind it, of the choppy bumpy road? Yeah, it was tough, but I think what helped me was one, the injury. So from right from the beginning, I was just doing rehab and I couldn't do full training anyways. Yeah. So for me, that was the goal of getting back to being able to do running and jumping and all these things. And then the second thing that helped me was school because I literally did not have time to do more than an hour a day. So if I could get my one hour, five days a week, I was doing really good. But it was difficult to take a step back and like not put any judgment on my workouts or my performance or my time. And most of the time I was working out really late at night, exhausted. And obviously I'm not training at the level as I was before. And so it's not going to be, you can't compare your times. I said I had to have new benchmarks or new um, times that was going to be kind of my new baseline. Yeah. I think that was probably one of the harder things too, is like you actually watch your fitness kind of slip. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that was, I think why I felt so like, I got to do this. I got to do that. Cause I work so hard for this, but the, it's, I don't know. I always kid around and say like it, the continuum of like the level one that we talk yeah. about sickness, wellness, and fitness. Like, I think it keeps going. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think right? I went past fitness and started going back to sickness. You just go around. Yes. Around. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to go back into wellness and fitness again because yeah. it was just, I think it takes time to kind of readjust and recalibrate for the lifestyle that so we have true. or an injury that you're getting over. And man, I just want people to understand, like, oh, I just, wish I could beat it into their heads and be like, your why mm-hmm. doesn't have to be Matt Frazier's why. Mm-hmm. But I think they feel like that. Yeah. You know, it's it's like, so, I mean, because it's so cool to see the games and that's how a lot of people first find out about yeah. CrossFit nowadays. And so, and the competition, the open's amazing. And, you know, the competition aspect of CrossFit is amazing, but it doesn't mean we have to be, we don't have to be, that's not the reason why we do CrossFit yeah. and we don't have to approach it in the same way. Approaching it for competition is completely different from approaching it for making you a better dad or making you yeah. better at anything else you're doing. And treat life. it different now. Mm-hmm. I think it has to look, be viewed like that. You know, like it's okay to treat it different mm-hmm. because it is different. It's like, I think we talked about this the other day. It's mm-hmm. like two hand touch versus pro football. Yeah. You guys can go play two hand touch at Thanksgiving and have a lot of fun. Yeah. But the second that you're, trying to make it to the pros it might not be fun it anymore it looks very different <laughs> yeah <laughs> very different it's so true um so now you're in a situation so last year you end up even though you're just doing this you've shifted your priorities you're just doing this um for longevity yeah you last year you still qualified to regionals decided not to go this year you're now in a position where you've qualified for the master's I think still up in the air, but we had a very <laughs> convincing um, <laughs> participant here last night at Power Monkey <laughs> who I think made a good point that, of course, it would be very inspiring for a lot of people to watch you out there competing. But either way, people are going to support you in whatever decision that you make. So what is going through your head now that you have that decision to make? Yeah. W- one, I have a lot of respect for you for doing regionals last year because like, mm-hmm. I my personality is so much like all or nothing. Right. Right. 
that when I saw you go, I was like, man, she's got her head screwed on straight. Because <laughs> I was like, oh. It was a very different, it was a completely different approach. And it was a lot like, I think that what it helped me was having that year before, after my injury and being out on the floor. Yeah. Because I knew, okay, that was really fun. And I could do that again with a completely different mindset and knowing like, yeah, I'm definitely not in the shape that I was before. I'm definitely not going to qualify to the games, but I'm just going to have fun with it. But That's if I had cool. tried to be like regionals, like you, right. you're, you know, you're there and it was, it almost felt weird to me because you're there and you see all the athletes and you see how stressed out they are and you're like oh my gosh I, I remember I know and what you that's know like them. and you know them and you <laughs> want them to do well and you want all of them to qualify and then you're like just h- hanging out having yeah. a good time like <laughs> chatting it up with the people you know coaches and yeah. whoever else is back there and it's a completely different experience yeah yeah so that I couldn't I just wasn't there yet yeah. you know and I think I, it was probably better that I didn't because I would have <laughs> broken myself somehow um but now I think I gotta it's really I didn't think I was gonna be here you know I because from the start I've kind of just taken the approach of all right I'm just gonna train an hour a day like yeah. that's all I'm gonna do and whatever it gives me is what I'll take and I I thought like yeah like I'll probably make the online qualifier mm-hmm. and I'll just do that for fun but during the online qualifier, I started kind of getting like more stressed out because yeah. I had these expectations and I thought like, well, wait a second, like I did okay. And like, what if I could make it? And so I really had to temper that, uh-huh. um, like leading up to it. Okay. Still an hour a day. Yep. And then even during it, trying to just let it, let it be and like still live my life. Right. You know, I think on... I did a workout on Friday night. I did two workouts on Saturday. And on Saturday night, I went and watched like motocross with my friends okay. and got home at midnight yep. and instead of going to bed right, at 930 right, right. or <laughs> whatever. Like still not letting this interfere with my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was trying super hard. And uh, yeah, so to see that end result, um, I think the biggest question is um, coaching team NorCal now. I'm helping them out. So mm-hmm. I don't. I don't even know if the logistics would work out for me to be able to compete mm-hmm. and, and coach, coach them if if they did and i were to kind of go through that process i think i would have to set some real like uh solid parameters mm-hmm. on what that looks like between now and the games mm-hmm. and have the same approach of kind of like you did at regionals yeah. last year mm-hmm. I think is how I would have to approach the games yeah. this year yeah. because I'm not willing to give up the lifestyle that I have now and the time that I have with my family anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I'm going to go ride my bike and if I crash my bike yeah. and, yeah. you know, whatever messed myself up, then so what? I was riding yeah. my bike, you know? Yeah. So I think I'm going to have to really mm-hmm. decide on that. But there is definitely a piece of me that uh, even though – it it won't, in my mind, be anything like the last time I was mm-hmm. there. And I don't want to try to replace any memories. Mm-hmm. I do think it would be kind of cool to say I was at Aromas and the StubHub that and Madison. That would be really cool. Yeah, so that's kind of tempting along with yeah. people's comments as yeah. well. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to say no to comments like that. Yeah. But, but either way, we'll be excited to see what you do. I appreciate um, it. So I want to finish the podcast with three questions I ask everyone. Yeah. The first one is three things that you do on a regular basis that have the biggest positive impact on your health. Uh, The most positive impact on my health. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, like, does it have to be physical health? No. Nope. I mean, okay, kind of cool. Um, so one thing I try to do on a regular basis, and I often fail pretty, pretty frequently, but I, I enjoy um, learning. It's funny because we're on a podcast. Yeah. I, I enjoy learning through podcasts same, yeah. a lot about um, a lot about scripture, a lot mm. about the Bible, and just like understanding mm-hmm. what it is. It's like, oh my gosh, it's mind blowing to learn some of the things behind. Um, just like how it was written and mm-hmm. who it was written by and what that looks like and how that all intertwines into this really awesome theme and story. So that is one thing I think for, for my health mm-hmm. really keeps me kind of grounded. Do you have, do you know the names of any of those podcasts? Or uh, ones that you really yeah. Like? Honestly, the, it's only one that I've really dug into. It's called join the Bible project. Okay. And it's really cool. Cause there's one guy that's very like super smart mm-hmm. and, he has studied Hebrew and he knows all like the geekery behind mm-hmm. scripture. And there's another guy that's probably more like me. And he's like, whoa, dude, stop. <laughs> that's way over my Explain head. This. <laughs> yeah. So they have a really good dynamic of being able to help um, people that really want to nerd out on it. Okay. And people that also uh, are probably more like myself and need <laughs> some more clarity. <laughs> that's um, awesome. So that's been, that's one thing. Okay. Um, two, and I'm not good at this. This is something I'm really not good at that I really want to work on is maximizing quality time outside of gym and work. Mm-hmm. You know, so I really am a better dad and husband when I get a workout in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also, <laughs> I think I'm much more productive when I do things like, to, you know, step back from the gym and to go out with the family and like Mm -hmm. do a long mountain bike ride or go out with my buddies and go skiing for the morning or whatever that is. There's things that like I'm really, I love, I'm passionate about outside. Mm -hmm. And I find as I get older and busier with work, it's really hard Mm -hmm. to make time for that. Yeah. So that, and then like this might not, (laughs) I don't know. The other one is like, I try to, uh, like nutrition. I try not to get bent. You know what I mean? Like I try not to get too wrapped around the axle Yeah. because I think it's really easy for us Mm -hmm. where we were, Mm -hmm. how it can be such a precision thing and such a huge part. Especially coming from a sport like wrestling too from an early age. Yeah. So I try to like really take care of myself because there's a family of heart disease in my, or a history of heart Mm -hmm. disease in my family. So I really try to be aware of that and Mm -hmm. take care of myself, but also breathe, you know, like. I have cereal every night because I think it tastes really good and <laughs> I think I'm going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'll be all right. Yeah. So like those, those three things, I think of that little bit of like give and take on the, mm-hmm. the nutrition and the quality time outside of the gym, mm-hmm. especially with my family. And then, uh, just diving into understanding what scripture is. Those I think are, it's nice to have some things to ground you that are outside of work. I love that. So true. Yeah. So true. My second question, you probably maybe already answered this, but one thing that you're working on or that you think would have a big impact on your health, but you have a hard time implementing it. Yeah, probably the quality time. time. And I think it's like that I'm pretty driven. Mm -hmm. And if I start something, I really feel like I have to finish it. (laughs) So with work, I really tend to get very, I have a hard time turning it off. Mm -hmm. And because um, 
you know, like, you know, with the programming or the mm-hmm. podcast and things like that, no one's there to like say work day's over. Yeah. Go home. Yeah. You're, you're punching your paycheck yeah. and now you're done or <laughs> yeah. your play tie, your time card. And it's just, it doesn't exist. So as an entrepreneur, it never stops. Yeah. And that's one thing that I'm, man, I really struggle with. And I wish that, yeah, I wish I could figure that one out. I'm learning. Yeah. We're all working on that yeah. one for sure. I'm working on that one. What does a healthy life look like to you? Um, it's funny. Like the first thing that comes to my mind is balance, but I don't agree with that. Mm -hmm. I don't really think so. I think like, I think people can be super passionate about things Mm -hmm. and still have a really healthy life. Mm -hmm. Um, probably the more that I've kind of have grown with the CrossFit thing and athletics and the work thing is, it sounds maybe cliche because I feel like a lot of people talk about it now, but like knowing why you're doing it, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, like we can all have different reasons and we can all have different goals and different aspirations. But I think the people that really are grounded in why they're doing it mm-hmm. are much happier, healthier people so true. in general, even if it is an extreme, you know, um, and like Andy Stump comes to mind. Like Andy's mm. crazy, you know. <laughs> he like jumps off of you know the side of mountains in a yeah. wingsuit, but he's really passionate about it and he's really calculated. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know what I mean? Like I don't get the sense that he's doing it because he feels like he has to. Right. And I think a guy like that. I mean, you got to have your crap together yes. when you're doing stuff like that. But at no conversation have I ever felt like it's been a burden to mm-hmm. him. You know. So I think. He's a good example, and I'm sure there's tons of others mm-hmm. that are people that really know why they're doing it mm-hmm. and not just doing it because they feel like the outside pressure or they feel like the pressure they put on themsel- themselves is the reason. Right. It yeah. really brings them joy or satisfaction. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. I love it. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with me. Yeah. It's been fun to hear more from you at, at camp this week. So. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank Thanks you. for having me. Cool. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. Since talking to Chris at Power Monkey Camp, he has actually accepted his invitation to compete in the Masters Division of the CrossFit Games this summer in Madison. And I know it will mean a lot to so many people to see him back out there enjoying the experience and we'll all be cheering him on from the stands. I love how Chris has been able to shift his focus from training for competition to training for life over the past few years. I also love the point he makes that not everyone has to have the same why for training as top games athletes like Matt Frazier. For most of us, the real value of CrossFit comes from what it can do for our overall health and longevity, not the leaderboard. So I want to know, what's your why for training? How does this why shape your training regimen and the decisions you make? Let me know in the comments below this post on my website, juliefouché.com. To make sure you never miss an episode and to receive exclusive content from me, head to my website, juliefouché.com, and subscribe to my email list. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe and consider giving the podcast a five-star rating on iTunes. Also, don't forget to share your stories. If you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge, please send me an email at info at juliefouché.com. I'll choose some of these inspiring stories to share here on future episodes. Don't forget you can train with me through Beyond the Whiteboard by visiting trainwithjuliefouché.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time on Pursuing Health. <laughs>